Rapids? In Cedar Rapids? You don't remember that meme? No. No. It was uh, like a, a Hillary Clinton meme from 2016. She, whenever she was like trying to like seem relatable, she uh, recorded a vine, and her her camera was like focused on her water bottle, and then you hear her tap the screen and miss the button, and then she flips the camera around, and she's like, "Just chilling in Cedar Rapids." <laughs> no, I missed. Uh, I missed all the vine memes. <laughs> it was great. It was it was a classic one. I got to say, that's another good... Someone complimented us on uh, Twitter for our 2020 phrasing. Oh, hell yeah. Your... What was it? Your Reddit formatting is lit. Yeah, <laughs> that was... That was... Uh, that was Jay in Orlando who said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you, we go. Your Reddit formatting is lit. <laughs> your Reddit formatting is lit. And then I missed all the Vine memes. Sad emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good job on Idiotville, by the way. Oh, thanks. Did you I listen to it? I've talked to you since then. No. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. I, mean, we, I, I blew through it. Oh, nice. I, I know we've we text like back and forth a couple of times, but everything's just been like kind of short because we've both been like super busy. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> they should have you back. That's my recommendation. They they left uh, they left the invitation open, and I yeah. I would definitely go back. It it's uh, it's real fun. I mean they. They record the beer segment first, so I got in there, and I'm like, and I don't, I don't drink, so I'm like, I'm just quiet for like fucking 25 <laughs> minutes. I was wondering if you were there because they were like, all right, we'll be right back, and then they were like, here's, we're here. It's, yeah, it's not I, like we'll be right back. Yeah, I, I was there. It's just like I don't, I don't know how to weigh in on <laughs> on their beer, and I'm like, and granted, um, Brent and Liberty asked me if I drank. And I'm like, I, I don't, so I just won't partake in the beer segment. So knowing that, they didn't get me one. So uh-huh. so it's not like uh, one person ha- just had the beer that they were going to give me. They they were very well prepared, but I, I just wonder why they record that first. <laughs> yeah. It, it was kind of, I didn't even know it was the same day. I mean, because of the way they framed it, you know, it was like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I thought they I thought they recorded that like before the guest got there, mm-hmm. but no. I, I mean, obviously, like if they have a guest in there that does drink, I'm guessing they do partake in the beer segment. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> let. Well, I know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm oh, saying, I, I have no idea. <laughs> no, no. Skype me in next time, and like I'll, I'll go I'll go buy whatever the beer of the week is, and then I'll take over that segment and then hand it back to you. <laughs> All right, back to Ted. I'm the, I'm the designated beer. I'm the designated drinker. The, hey, you're the designated <laughs> drinker. Next time we go on Idiotville, it's got to be both of us. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I might come up for that. Awesome. I can travel. They they record on Wednesdays. Is the thing. nope? Can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is off the table. Immediately. Can't invite myself. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I uninvite myself. <laughs> <laughs> I hereby uh, uninvite myself. Well, I mean, if you guys are ever like back up here for uh, for a week or something or a long weekend, I I don't know what event would ever put you back up here on a Wednesday. Yeah, uh, you got to do a you got to do a whole week in Erie. You know, it, it really. <laughs> there's so much to see. Give it a whole there's, week. Uh, there's the the beach, which definitely takes three days to to see, and right. then and then just looking at those lighthouses, man, that's like a whole thirty six hours. 
You want one day for Waldemir, one day for Waterworld. Yes, absolutely. It's it's a two day adventure. Mm-hmm. Like like forget Disney World. Like it's w- Waldemir. You need <laughs> you need multiple days to go see this thing. Yeah, don't try to cram it all into <laughs> nearly a few hours. <laughs> uh, okay, so should we get started? Yeah, yeah, we're good. <laughs> all right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's the show about one thing. Watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy, and I'm Ted Hallowell. And today we will be talking about the penultimate episode of season five, The Hamptons. But before that, we did have a little bit of homework and, as always, uh, some trivia and stuff like that to get to. First of all, I'll just tell you right off the bat, I, I totally forgot and spaced and did not go back and try to hear the baby cry- crying. Oh, did you go back no. and, and try to... I, I mean, I heard it the first time. You heard I, it the first time, yeah. yeah. I, I just wanted you to go hear you, it. Yeah. I don't know if you were going to go back and maybe go and just revisit it and really give it a solid uh. listen. <laughs> but no, I'll, well, I'll try I, to. But you know, I, I googled. You know, because sometimes people people notice things that. Yeah. And we'll get to one this episode that that has been noticed by the internet that Ooh. everyone you know. Okay. Um, and I so I will, you know, d- d- search for stuff like that. But and so I searched Steinfeld Hamptons baby cry and stuff like that. And no one's noticed. It. Like for instance, oh, here another good example is I think the Oh My God Lady. You can search and and find that. Oh mm-hmm. my God! You, know, you find people <laughs> talking about that. Yeah, but I couldn't find anything anybody talking about the baby, which is not to say it doesn't exist. But wow. that's, that's as much research as I did. Wait, wait, did you say you searched for Hamptons the baby or because because yeah, uh, it was the oh, episode before? Oh yeah, no, no fire. What was it? The fire? Oh, yeah. oh, the, the fire, fire baby. That yeah, that, fire baby Seinfeld or whatever. <laughs> that 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 baby's so cool. That baby is fire. <laughs> yeah, that baby is lit. <laughs> uh, yeah, fire baby Seinfeld or whatever, and, uh, and nothing, nothing, no one has noticed it. Uh, fortunately, there were no babies that were lit on fire on the set of Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't know if there were any casualties <laughs> in that fire. They don't mention any, but George did push some people down, and surely there was and there he, young children and we definitely young babies. And we definitely clarified his body language suggests he was going to shut that door and trap <laughs> everybody inside. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't even remember. I don't have time to watch the full. Do you remember where the baby cry was? Uh, huh? It was uh, whenever George is outside at the ambulance. It is. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't have to watch the full thing again. Uh, but it, yeah. it was definitely one of the scenes where he's out by the ambulance. This is definitely, speaking of watching the episode, I definitely watched this one, I would say last Thursday. We record, we're recording it on Wednesday now. So it's almost been a full week since oh I've my seen God. this episode. So I hope I remember what the hell I was talking about when I was <laughs> scribbling down my chicken scratch. I'm the exact opposite. We're recording this at 1.30 p.m. and I started watching <laughs> it at 12.05 p.m. So I just finished this thing. Well, then you will be able to fill in when I go, why the hell did I write down this? And you'll go, oh, I know why. Why, why did I write tomatoes? <laughs> yeah. Why did I write this down? Good, good. You'll be able to figure that out. Uh, the other question we had, we were going to do a deep dive on Bozo the Clown and try, and maybe even try to discern whether or not the episodes you were watching as a child, Ted, because I was watching them as a child. I could tell they were new, but you mentioned you liked Bo- you liked watching Bozo the Clown, too. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to figure out if you were watching new episodes. The good news is you probably were. Yeah, I, I looked this up, too, and this is crazy. It's a weird story if you don't know anything about Bozo the Clown. It, he was created by Alan Livingston and portrayed by Pinto Colvig at first for a children's storytelling record album and read-along book from 1946. And it became so big, it served as the mascot for Capitol Records for a while. Jeez. Yeah, Bozo the Clown was like the Capitol Records clown or whatever. The character first appeared on television in 1949, portrayed by Pinto Colvig. 
and there have been a ton of bozos over the years. Um, Willard Scott was one. Do you remember Willard Scott from the old Today Show? No, I have no idea. Okay, so he was he was he's been on, he was on the Today Show for a long, long time because his thing was he would wish you a happy birthday if you were over a hundred, and they put your you know and, and Smucker sponsored oh it after God. a while. And so <laughs> you know he was the, he was the Today, the Today Show weatherman before uh, Al Roker. And so, yeah, and then there's uh, Frank Avruch and Bob Bell from 1960 to 1984, and then a guy named Joey Diora from 84 to 2001. So, and, and I'm guessing, be, I'm guessing yeah. Joey Diora is the bozo that I was watching because he was on. Uh, he and Bob Bell were the bozos on WGN Superstation out of Chicago, but WGN is like one of the wide, like most widely like rebroadcast. Uh, local networks in the country, right? Yeah, which is so weird because I remember being a kid and like, you know, watching WGN, the superstation they called it, and it was a Chicago television station that for some reason was like Everywhere. you said, broadcast all was, over the nation. Yeah. So the Chicago <laughs> news would come on and these weird, you know, Chicago like television shows. I'm like, this seems really <laughs> unnecessary, but here we are. Like, like it's not like you can watch KDKA in like uh, Nashville, you know? Yeah. Exactly, but that was their idea. They were like, no, everybody needs to know about Chicago. Like, what? That's, we're not even watching New York City news on like NBC affiliates and stuff. It's not like WNBC felt the need to. No, it was like, nope, WGN, that's, that's it. That's it. That, that's the one station we need, lo- yeah, lo- lo- we need locally and nationally. Everybody better know what's going on in Chicago. And so this guy who came up with the idea for Bozo, and they were bo- like, this reminds me of, um, it was a fairly recent Simpsons episode too, but where Krusty has run out of money again, and they're like, "You should franchise the show." So he sells Krusty the Clown to other countries, oh, and like the Irish whoa. Krusty is like really depressed and stuff like that. And that's what happened with Bozo. So the National Bozo Show was being made, but also, so it, it, it became a franchise. He was like, "Yeah, Chicago, you want to make your own Bozo Show? You can do it if you pay me." Uh, you know, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, yeah. everywhere had their own bozo show and then including mexico brazil greece australia mm-hmm. and thailand had bozo shows and I, I i definitely read that like stations that didn't want to produce their own show could just syndicate the wgn show i read see i thought there were two i thought that there were was a national show but the wgn show just became the more popular than even the national show oh really oh my god yeah uh, let me see. Um, Bozo the Clown was mostly franchised as opposed to being syndicated, meaning that local TV stations put their own local productions of the show complete with their own Bozo. Uh, and Ooh. I didn't know this Romper Room was another one that did that, and I watched that a ton, and now I'm wondering if the Romper Room I grew up with was maybe WGN's Romper Room <laughs> or whether it was like my local Romper Room wherever we had to live and not everyone grew up with the same host. Do you remember, do you remember where you were living at the time? Jeez, no, being in a military family, it all sort of starts to blur together. Yeah, I bet. Um, it was either, I would say it was either Arkansas or like the D.C. area. Which, okay. you know, the D.C. area is big enough that they may may have franchised their own romper room. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, but I didn't, but I was like, no time to do a deep dive on romper room now. <laughs> <laughs> the busy week for both of us. But yeah, so he bought out <laughs> his business partners, became the sole owner of the licensing rights. And he thought that one national show that he owned would be more profitable for his company. So he did produce a ton of those shows, Bozo's Big Top, which aired on Boston, Boston's WHDH, and then you could buy that if you wanted to, but most television stations still preferred to continue producing their own versions. The most popular local version was Bob Bell and the WGN, Chicago's Bozo Circus. So Bozo's Big Top was the national one. Bozo's Circus was the local one. Okay, I definitely... I read that Bozo's Circus out of WGN had like a 10-year wait list to be yeah. in the audience. Is that right? Yeah, I saw that. Oh, my God. 
And so I guess by virtue of WGN going national, that's why Bozo Circus became the national one. And so oh, probably most Oh yeah. okay. That makes so much sense now. Okay. And these old like the the, the national one only lasted from sixty five to sixty seven, evidently. So he only mm. produced hundred and thirty of those. And when he realized that most people, you know, realized that they wanted to just make their own, he was like, All right, well, forget it. Yeah. Forget it then. But so I wonder what my I wonder who my bozo is. Is it Joey Diora <laughs> or is it Bob Bell? Because I feel like looking at pictures of Bob Bell and Cookie was Bozo's sidekick on the show. That I'm like that really looks like my bozo. But three seems like way young for me to remember bozo. Yeah. What you were born in eighty one. Yeah. Yeah. I I, uh, I feel like Joey Doria. Joey. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Doria. Yeah. Probably. I think I've already done it twice. <laughs> I yeah. think I've already done it two or three different ways. Yeah. Jo- Joey Doria. I'm guessing. It, it, I feel like that was my bozo. Yeah. Because I'm, well, I mean, he's 84 to 2001. So unless yeah. I'm watching very old reruns, and they, they didn't seem like old reruns when I was watching them. Uh huh. Then no, I, no, I'm, I'm guessing weren't. Joey. Yeah. Joey is my bozo. Yeah, probably. And maybe I was uh, maybe I was early Joey Doria or whatever his name was. Um, I think that's the third way I've pronounced it so far. <laughs> um, maybe that was mine, too, because three seems very young to me, for me to remember yeah. what he looked like. But just looking at pictures of Bob Bell. But then again, that was that was a, that's the thing about clown makeup. Everybody looks the same. You know, you can just swap bozos in and out. <laughs> um, and so WGN, you know, carried it uh, until 94 when the bozo show stopped airing weekdays i don't know if it was like an everyday thing or what but it stopped airing weekdays and they moved it to early sunday as the bozo super sunday show and then in 97 the fcc said that like all of the um all children's programming had to be like educational or a certain amount that was running had to be educational Mm -hmm. and so they made bozo educational and then that was like oh yeah a minimum of three hours of educational children's programs per week that's why when you turn on that's why Saturday morning cartoons also went extinct because you turn on Saturday morning TV now and it's like an animal show or something like that. You couldn't just have fun, dumb cartoons anymore on on broadcast television. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that was also a death blow to the Bozo show. And then in 2001, <laughs> station management ended production, citing, again, increased competition from newer children's cable channels. Uh, and there are there, the Bozo's big top programs mm-hmm. uh, are on DVD. But the WGN Bozo shows have not been released commercially in any video format, unfortunately. Man, I they they've got to be sitting on a library of episodes if they ever want to like license that WGN show to Netflix or oh, or to Prime or Hulu or something. That'd be incredible. Yeah. Could, could I'd you check ima- that out. could you imagine like uh, are there any um are there any specific like children's programming subscription services yet? Yeah, I think they're mostly kind of like Christian ones that mm, have like okay. veggie tales or okay. you know. I, I know I know Noggin is now a subscription service. Uh, uh, I, I think they moved away from like the whole cable model. Um, it, they could license it to Noggin, but then again, I think mm-hmm. that might be a little young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, I think it's it's ripe for Netflix because that has that like the nostalgia factor. Oh my god! Yeah, that's right. You know? People would people would just check that out, and maybe it'd be one of the things that you leave on in the background yeah, or whatever. It, especially like if you drop like ten collections of like maybe ten bozo episodes each, and just like yeah. maybe like rotate them out or something. That's insane. Yeah, yeah totally. I do, I do want to give a shout out to Dini Kaplan, who was Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania's bozo on WPGH for <laughs> a number of years. That's I just noticed that since I live there now, I was like, wow, we had our we had our own bozo up Man, here. I don't even think WPGH is a thing anymore. 
Yeah, I don't think it is either. It might be the Fox affiliate, but I could be wrong mm, about that. It might okay. be the Fox Fox call letters, but but I have no idea. But just uh, yeah, we we all learned a very like a lot of interesting stuff. I had I mean I didn't expect the Bozo Wikipedia page to be as extensive as it is, but check it out if you're curious because there's a lot that we had to skip over. Yeah, there's there's so much. <laughs> this isn't Bozo cast, <laughs> <laughs> or would it be like Pozo? Is that not mm, Podzo? No, I don't I don't think that's as obvious. It, it'd have to <laughs> be like uh, Bozo, Bozo. Bo- instead of uh, what was it? Bozo's Big Top, Bozo's Big Pod. That that uh. that that almost sounds dirty. Uh, <laughs> what's up what's up kids welcome to bozo's big pod <laughs> bozo's big pod ew <laughs> uh let's see i found some other stuff out about the fire episode mm-hmm. it was pretty much written around just the idea so larry charles wrote it just around the idea of george pushing women and children out of his way to escape <laughs> a fire and then they just wrote it around that they were oh like they, they thought that was funny enough and it was you know and they, they, the whole episode was just built around that image. Uh, the Toby and Elaine rivalry was inspired by the office politics at a show next door to Seinfeld. We don't know which one Ooh. that I can see in, in where I found this out. But one of the employees had lost a baby. And some of the other coworkers were jealous of the attention their boss gave her because of this tragedy. <laughs> they wisely, for Seinfeld, changed it to losing a toe instead of losing a baby. <laughs> Oh but that just goes God. to show you. I mean, it, it sounds shocking, but it's because we're we're not in Hollywood, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you put it when you put that storyline in Hollywood, you're like, oh, of course people would be jealous of someone losing a baby and getting attention for it, <laughs> you know. Even though I'm sure the person that lost the baby would trade the baby and the attention, you know, trade the attention for the baby at any yeah, point. Yes, you know, one hundred percent. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. I I maybe we can. I doubt we can find out more info about it, but who knows? Maybe. Maybe what show was next door to Seinfeld during this time? Yeah, I'd I'd, lo- is, is I'd love to know. I'd love to know, but I don't know how we would find out. Yeah, no idea. Uh, let me see. Robin, who I guess was George's girlfriend, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, George's girlfriend, the waitress at the um, comedy at the Improv. Got it. Okay. Was played by Melanie Chartoff, who Larry David and Michael Richards knew from the time that they worked on the short-lived sketch show Fridays, which was sort of like a um, competition for SNL, but it was on Friday night instead of <laughs> Saturday night. And they both, uh, Larry David amazingly worked on, I think he worked on SNL and Fridays, interestingly enough. Hmm. So yeah, kind of interesting. As long as we're talking about Fridays, there's a very famous sequence where Michael Richards kind of had to give it to uh, Andy Kaufman, who was a guest on the show and was not following the script of a sketch. And so he gets he stands up in the middle of the sketch, grabs the cue cards and throws them at Andy Kaufman. Oh my god. Right in the middle of the sketch, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a, a, the, the one famous thing about Fridays. <laughs> um, let me see, what else we got? Oh, it was originally planned that Kramer's Adventure in the Bus would be filmed in action and the resulting footage intercut with the scene in which he recounts what happened, but the audience reaction to Kramer's monologuing was so positive that they were like, alright, we don't, we don't even have to film all the bus stuff. Mm, wow. Yeah. I, lucky for them. I know, I know. It's, it's one of the it's, <laughs> what was one of the highlights of the episode, if not the highlight. Mm-hmm. The sequence where he finds the toe and ices it inside a Cracker Jack box was also filmed, but not used. But you can see it on the DVD release of season five in the deleted scenes. Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty interesting. I should have looked that up on YouTube, but I didn't. This is the final episode of Seinfeld to be written by Larry Charles. I don't know why. Hmm. And the jokes in Jerry's stand-up routine were also in season two, episode ten. The baby shower. 
So the jokes that he's delivering during his set, uh, you know, that Kramer's, that Toby interrupts and, and, and stuff like that, they're also from that episode. Oh. They were, I guess, the interstitial. Whoa, yeah. okay. <laughs> why, why would they... Why would they reuse the same stuff? I, Jerry's a Jerry's a stand-up. I'm sure he's got more stuff. Yeah, I don't know why. Especially since it really didn't have to do with this episode. But, <laughs> you know, maybe that just... Um, again, A, we didn't notice. But B, um, it's like them casting uh, extras that we don't know. Not even extras, but featured actors that we don't recognize That's as true. previous roles and yeah. stuff. So, um, yeah, but it just goes to show, too, that he's a working comic. And, you know, it's funny. Like, I remember seeing comedians... Sometimes two years in a row or sometimes, you know, on TV and then on TV in a different part. And I'm like, oh, they just say the same thing over and over again. You know, the, the model's changed a little bit now, but not too much. It's yeah. like, you know, like, oh, he goes out and, and he just does the same hour over and over again. You know, and that's, mm-hmm. that's what it is. They don't have to come up with something new every single time they go on stage, which was kind of, you know, a revelation that uh, that I think I've even heard comedians have you know struggle with like I'm never going to tell the same joke twice and then you realize why not this is the new audience you know yeah no one <laughs> like I'm in Boise Idaho no one in Bismarck North Dakota is at my Boise show so why why would I come up with an entirely new set yeah and and the only way it's changed is that somebody you know came up with the idea again he comes up so often on the show but Louis C K or somebody was like you got to do a new <laughs> hour every year or something you know and that was kind of a that was a sea change in the world of comedy because people were like every year you yeah. got to come up with 60 minutes of things to talk about. And <laughs> that was on unheard- the, the fact that that's, that was so shocking, you know, at the time just goes to show you how, how, you know, you just build up all this material. And then like, he was the first guy to throw it out. Well, actually maybe Sa- Jerry, I remember was like, after Seinfeld ended, he did like his classic set one more time. And then he like went away for a little bit. Hmm. So that was maybe the first time someone p- very publicly said all my old material the cd is called i'm telling you for the last time all my old material out the door in the trash can i'm never doing it again after this recording you know he he did one last special and then just decided you know just started writing all new stuff which is crazy because it was like all right i've been doing this stuff for 20 years maybe it's time to stop doing it you know (laughs) it sounds crazy now but that was the model and I think that's all I have as far as homework and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, well, if you've never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. Uh, we like to uh, think of questions as we're going through the episodes and assign, assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. Uh, if you do like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. And we will send you a No Hugging, No Learning sticker. And Tim, guess what? Mm. Oh, I know. As of yesterday, those do exist. Wow. Uh, I will be receiving them in the mail this coming Wednesday. So if you want a no-hugging, no-learning sticker, free of charge, seriously, I will send it to you for free. Just give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts, and uh, make sure to either DM us or email us your address. Our uh, Twitter and our email are linked in the show description or in the episode description uh, on whatever app you're listening to, or in the show description on Apple Podcasts. Uh, so please just get us your address. Um, with uh, or, or, you know, email us or tweet us if we skip over something, you know? Because uh, mm-hmm. I- I've never seen these episodes before. I might miss something that you're super passionate about. Yeah. Uh, and, oh, man, these these stickers are awesome. I, I-, I wanted to wait for this one type of sticker. 
uh, and to come back in stock. So I'm I'm glad we got these ones. Uh, but I want it to be a I want it to be a surprise for whenever people open these up. Uh, shout outs to uh, Megan for finally catching up on the show, uh, who mm-hmm. also picked up our copy of uh, the Eerie Reader. Uh, we we mentioned that at the top of the show last week that we were featured in a uh, in Eerie's podcast feed, the article in the Eerie Reader, and she wants us to sign that copy as well. <laughs> uh, to Brent and Liberty for uh, chiming in about our stickers. To uh, I I think uh, we we caught this at the very beginning. Uh, to Jay in Orlando for calling. Uh, the uh, your Reddit formatting is lit is the most 2020 <laughs> phrase ever. And also shout out to Kent Montgomery. Uh, for what did Kent do? Well, he finished up the Jingle All the Way episode. Oh, so that's Merry right. Christmas, first of all, Merry Christmas, and, Kent. <laughs> and he said there's actually four shared actors between Jingle All the Way and the and Seinfeld. We knew Jackie Child, who uh, we have not yet met. Not yet met. We met Mickey. Uh, who is the little person that hangs out with Kramer on the show that he works on, but also Chris, uh, Phil Hartman and Chris Parnell. Hmm. Now, I don't think their parts pop up until very late in the series, like maybe season nine, maybe the last season. Um, but I think Phil Hartman has like an uncredited voice cameo. Wow, really? I forget who Chris Parnell plays. I did look it up because <laughs> honestly, I did not remember them. But um, yeah, I was very shocked to find That's that awesome. out as well. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, with that being said, let's get into Season 5, Episode 21, The Hamptons. Original air date, May 12th, 1994. I was one year, four months, and 22 days old. And this episode included, we have 91 episodes remaining until we become a, uh, I I, I don't know, a a 700 Club podcast. Uh, Bo's Pod. uh, Until we become uh, Bozo's Big Pod. (laughs) Bozo's Uh, Big Pod. (laughs) Uh, if you're looking at TV Guide the night of May 12th, you are going to see Jerry's girlfriend sees George naked during a weekend at the beach. Mm, I hate it. Yeah, it's awful. But we'll, we'll see if we can make it better. <laughs> We're going to have to like just normally there's a part of something we can keep, but I don't know if we'll be able to keep any of it. So we'll see. Uh, we start with the stand up bit as usual. And this is about human fascination with water and how we just love being in it unless it rains. That's the one time we don't like being in it. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There's really no substance to this. <laughs> yeah, I do. I don't I, see. I don't even remember if he'll get to it at the end. But I do remember one of the things I was like, Jerry, he had a great uh, little segment of his act about going to the beach. And I remember it being very funny. And maybe we've even seen a little bit of it because I thought I remembered. All right, one of my favorite bits was um, he was like, I put my wallet in the shoe when I go into the water and I put it up towards the toe. They don't check the toe. They check the heel. They move on. Does that sound familiar to you? I feel like he's already, mm. I feel like we've seen that bit. I don't know. I'm actually not sure. Yeah. maybe. Uh, yeah. D- we've seen so many episodes that, but uh, yeah, he's got a great, and like, you know, we, we keep trying to get in the ocean and it just keeps throwing us out. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember <laughs> if that's part of it at the end or not. But I remember that was another segment of this particular section of his act that I really liked. Uh, we open up with uh, Jerry driving uh, down the highway. He's passing. Uh, did you did you catch what I what I saw? I don't know. Did you see what exit they were passing by? Ah, uh, sixty nine. Nice, nice. Wading River Road is exit sixty nine on the Long Island Expressway, also known as I four ninety five. And here is something that's kind of funny that like. I don't. I think. I don't think it's meant to be like an inside New York joke, but it is the second to last exit on the Long Island Expressway before the terminus of the LIE. And after they pass that, we see that sign, and Kramer goes, "It's the next exit." 
the next egg, the, it better be the next eggs or you're going to drive into the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think it was meant to be funny. I just think it's like a mistake with like, yeah, put some B-roll of an exit in here. Okay, fine. You know, I'll put this, and Kramer's like, you know, the next exit. Oh, well, my of course, God. it better be the next exit. Exit 70 is the last exit on the Long Island Expressway. <laughs> uh, and it is two hours from Jerry's apartment at West 81st Street. I was curious to see, because, you know, you hear the Hamptons, and you know that a lot of people, a lot of rich people from, people from New York have a house out there, uh, and it's about two hours, which is it's just crazy how far you can drive in New York City and still kind of technically be in New York City. You know? Yeah. Oh, my God. But the Hamptons is, like, so far out there. I remember early in my radio career, um, I was, like, I'm just applying for jobs everywhere, and then I, I saw a job like, oh, the Hamptons, cool, and they called me, and they were like, yeah, you know, and, and then I found out that the Hamptons, like, so New York City is, like, market number one for radio, mm-hmm. and the Hamptons is, like, market number 347 or something <laughs> crazy like that. It's, like, a whole other world, like, literally, I had yeah. no idea. Like, you're so close to the city, but it's almost yeah. like there's no civilization for 100 <laughs> miles. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really insane. It's I guess it's just like any other vacation land like that. If you go like we go to the Outer Banks and you can drive for miles and miles and miles and and like yeah, you know for instance like when we get to the Outer Banks we're still like an hour and a half from where our house is when you when you hit the the limits you know what would, what you might consider the the city limits of the area known as the Outer Banks of yeah. North Carolina yeah like people people visit there all the time no one lives there uh, yeah. But it's like um, it's like when Grace and I went to Palm Springs on our honeymoon. It it's such a, a beautiful area, such a beautiful town. Uh, but like the only like no one's living there full time. All the houses are like vacation houses. It's yeah. it's the weekend getaway destination for L.A. But then there's like people working, you know, at at markets and restaurants and gas yeah. stations and things like that. You're like, where do they live? I don't know. I don't think they live in town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, how far in do they have to come? You know, where 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 is the livable place? Hmm, I'm not sure. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty much surrounded by desert. Uh, yeah, I don't know where. Like, there's a uh, maybe a uh, a low income housing area, or, mm. or or even just like a a uh, middle class area yeah. where people are living. I don't know where those places exist. Yeah, I I never even uh, my my um. A guy I was working with at the time from Queens, you know, he was like, I told him, I think they were going to pay me like $18,000 or something like that to work in the, oh, in the Hamptons. Jesus. Uh, and, uh, and he was like, the, he was like, the places you could afford to live are not the place, the kind of places you'd want to live up there, you know? So there is obviously like hidden away from the rich people who, who, you know, don't want to lay oh, eyes yeah. on, on <laughs> poor people. There, there is a place to live. And just as I'm sure there is in the Outer Banks and, and Hilton Head or wherever you want to go, um, <laughs> You know, but I don't know where they they keep it hidden pretty well. Hidden from society. No one wants to see a poor person. (laughs) Yeah. We live in a society. (laughs) We're living in a society. Um, And so it's uh, Kramer and Elaine in Jerry's car. And they are visiting. They're heading to a weekend in the Hamptons to see the baby. There's a a couple that had a baby a couple years ago who we you might recognize as we get further into this episode. And Elaine kind of mocks them. You know, you got to see the baby, as I believe she kind of did in this the last episode we saw them in. Yeah, she did. Yeah. And so they're going out to see the baby in the Hamptons. And uh, you know, Kramer's really excited about staying in a nice vacation house. And George and Jane are going to meet them there, and they have not had sex yet, and they're spending the weekend together, which Elaine finds kind of interesting, you know, and and I think that Jerry kind of says that, um, you know, George is just kind of like expecting that this is going to be the weekend, you know, spending the weekend together. 
uh, is going to lead to that. And Rachel is coming on a train after Jerry made peace with her dad, bringing a kishka, which I don't know what it is, but I loved the line about it. So Jerry brought him. It's obviously, you know, uh, um, Rachel is, you know, a very strict uh, of the Jewish faith. And so he brings her a kishka and uh, Jerry says, Israeli soldiers carry it. And if they're caught behind enemy lines, they eat it and it kills them. I thought that line was funny. I have no idea what it is, but I have no it, it idea. Was, it was it was hilarious. Some hilarious ethnic humor from Jerry. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, why did Kramer ask Jerry if he wore silk underwear? I don't remember. <laughs> I have no idea. I vaguely I, remember that. But. I don't know. But Jerry said, no, too delightful. Because too delightful, uh, we, yeah. we, we do know Jerry does not like pleasure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can understand that, you know. There's, um, it, it's, it's, you know, you're, it's a different kind of guy that that is that is loose <laughs> enough to want to wear silk underwear. Um, over in George's car, they're talking about how they love cough syrup, and George <laughs> invents once again. He's invented something for modern life. He invents scissorp. Oh he my says God. you should mix cl- you should mix club soda and cough G- syrup. George is literally talking about lean, like yeah. <laughs> like you might as well continue like yeah and only drink it out of a styrofoam cup I, I, <laughs> <laughs> like you might as well have said that like oh my god this is this is wild <laughs> did rappers get i mean if anything like they should stop hanging pictures of scarface on their wall and start hanging pictures of george costanza <laughs> i mean he's done so much for street culture from normcore to he invented me undies as long as we're talking about underwear he invented the concept of a different pair of underwear for every day of the week and he's now invented scissor god george is an icon yeah yeah and george is confident that he will be having sex this time tomorrow and it's kind of funny he's like he's like if i reached out and grabbed her breast right now you know she would hit me in the face and turn around and this would end horribly he's like tomorrow i can do it and nothing will happen at all he's like kind of marveling at the fact at at how sex changes a relationship even in just the most superficial ways not even on like a deep emotional level (laughs) uh and he wants to stop at a a vegetable stand in the hampton because he wants to buy his mom hampton tomatoes which, by the way, will go horribly bad by the time he actually gets them back to Queens. Yeah, like so. I don't know why he wanted to buy them on the way out. It was established that they're going to be there for a week. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was just a weekend. No, they were there for a week. I think. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and so I'm like, why would you buy them on the way out? It makes no sense. I know they had to introduce the the device, but I'm like, yeah, the, your your mom's not going to want week old Hamptons. <laughs> 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 Uh, but Jane is in a hurry to get there to get some quote unquote son, mm. and I think George takes that as like, oh, I know why she's in a hurry to get there. She's in a hurry to get some of this son. <laughs> oh, good lord! <laughs> uh, at the beach house, uh, Kramer, everyone's hang- kind of hanging out on the deck, and Kramer, uh, you know, asks Jerry if he'll rub lotion on his back, and Jerry's like, you know, who, who am I, Miss Robinson, or something like that? Uh, you know, reference to the. Dustin Hoffman movie, The Graduate, which I think is one of the ways that Mrs. Robinson begins seducing Benjamin at the beginning of that movie. Uh, Have you ever seen it? Nope. Oh, it's great. I love that movie. Um, it's it's like one of the one of the earliest like sort of feels very indie before they really made like indie movies because like stuff happens, but nothing really. It's all sort of like character subtext, you know? Yeah, yeah. I really like it, but I, so I liked you know Jerry's line. It's it's a pretty modern reference. For Jerry Seinfeld, <laughs> a joke about the graduate. Because uh, Dustin Hoffman was like 17 when he made it. When was it? It was like in the 80s or something? 
I want to say 70s. Okay. It was definitely the 70s. Yeah, because Dustin Hoffman was very young in it. And I think Anne Bancroft uh, plays the uh, the woman in it. Oh, 1967. Wow. Ooh, okay. Even, yeah. 1967, Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft. Yeah. Um, yeah, really. Wow. And that makes it even more interesting just how kind of cool... Well, it looks even for its time. Well, I'll tell you, Jerry uh, definitely makes up for his uh, his timely references uh, in a in a couple of seconds. <laughs> um, I like that Jer- uh, that um, Kramer goes, "Come on, I'll rub some on your back," and Jerry goes, "You're not sweetening the deal." <laughs> <laughs> like that would have convinced him, you know. Uh, so Jane comes out in a bikini. That's George's girlfriend, and I could distinctly make out. I know we've had you know our like differences in vision where you watch it on a tablet and I watch it on you know a bigger smart TV, mm-hmm. but I could distinctly make out pasties underneath her bikini in this like sort of shoulder like one shot of her from like the chest up. Could you see those? Uh, wait, are, are you talking about? I, I think you might be skipping forward. No, like, no, a, no. A I'm, I'm talking about when she sits down and she still has the top on. Oh, okay. I, I mean, yeah. I I didn't notice them here. Yeah, when when she lays back on the chair, I I could see some sort of like bandage thing underneath them. I just found that interesting. Okay. George goes for tomatoes. He just has to get them immediately, <laughs> uh, and so he leaves. And in the meantime, uh, Elaine comes out and she is covered head to toe, <laughs> and <laughs> and Jerry calls her Maud. Is this is what is this the reference that you were talking about? No. No, oh. <laughs> I don't know why he's. I don't know why he said that. Whether it's a reference to like Harold and Maud, that's I, probably I, what it was. Another old sort of indie I, feeling movie, Harold I, and Maud. I think it's just because he's referring to her as an old lady because she's wearing an, old, an old lady, lady sun hat. Yeah, let me just Google because I don't know if there is a scene like this in, in Harold and Maud. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, it was either that or wasn't there like a show? It was like, and then there's Maud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, B. Arthur's first foray into uh, you know starring in a sitcom even before Golden Girls was Maud. Yeah. Oh, whoa, okay. But I want to say there's a scene in Harold and Maud because it's about a very old woman and a very young man who fall in love. And Maud, whenever she goes out, is like very, you know, she's covered up because she's. I'm looking to see if there's any pictures of her, you know, because she's old. Yeah. And that's why Elaine's doing it. She's covering herself up because it, 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 the sun ages you. And, you know, um, what's her name? Jane goes to, like, uh, down to the beach area. And then Jerry notices that Jane is all of a sudden topless down on the beach, which definitely gets Kramer's attention, everybody's attention, in fact. Yes. Um, Kramer says, Yo-Yo Ma. And Jerry says, Boutros, Boutros, golly. There it and is. Elaine just goes, and Elaine just goes, nice rack. <laughs> okay, what? Uh, I, I I get Kramer saying, yo-yo ma. He said yo-yo it before. Ma. Obviously, I get Elaine saying, nice rack, <laughs> because it's the, it's the most forward one. What in the world is Boutros, Boutros, golly? I want to say Boutros, Boutros, golly. Uh, the man's so nice, they named him twice. I think that's a Letterman joke, by the way. He was like a the, the head of the UN at some point. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to say that he led the UN, but I may be mixing him up with another double named dude. Okay. We'll, we'll have to look up. We'll look up Boutros Boutros Golly next week just I, to make sure. I thought it was just like some I don't know a vaudeville reference or something because that <laughs> wouldn't be out of the ordinary. Yeah, because Golly sounds like G O L L Y. But that, it's not. I'm pretty sure it's like G-A-L-I or something it, like that. It was spelled on uh, the oh, captions as Golly, G-O-L-L-Y. But, oh, interesting. But maybe that was uh, the the writer of the captions making a pun. 
because golly, as in like, wow, golly gee, I can see your yes. boobs. Yes, that, that may be the case, because I don't think Boutros Boutros spelled his last name that way, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. We'll have to figure it out. Uh, Carol and Michael come out, and they are the couple whose baby was dropped by Kramer in season three, episode 17 slash 18, The Boyfriend. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's surprising that they've invited him to see the baby once again, but I guess they just love people seeing their babies that much that even the guy who dropped the baby is invited to their house in the Hamptons. Uh, but you did you recognize them when they when they showed up? Uh, they they looked familiar. I, I knew yeah. I recognized like their faces, and I knew like as soon as Elaine said, "You gotta see the baby," <laughs> I, I knew like okay, it's these people. I didn't remember their names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the baby is ready. Um, but the, it's funny, the gang is like, shut up, we'll be right up, you know, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> because they want to keep staring at the topless woman. Uh-huh. Uh, Jane comes right up to the group from the beach, still topless, <laughs> and asks them if they want anything to drink, and everyone's just staring at her breast. Uh, you, did you hear, like, what she said? No, I don't. Oh, she, I'm, I'm, thir- I'm thirsty or something like that? She's like, I'm thirsty, anyone want to drink? Yeah. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, Kramer's just dead staring, like, <laughs> through her boobs. Yeah. Uh, and this is an inf- infamous scene I, uh, that I was talking about because when Seinfeld started airing in HD, they, I guess the show was like filmed in, in widescreen maybe and then matted for 4.3 so that when they started airing it in HD, some things they had to zoom in for, but some things they were able to just take the mats off oh. and and show what was going on. And that's why a lot of people started noticing when it started airing that she turns around and if she had not been wearing any pasties or anything like that, you would straight up see nipple. Yes. Yes, 100%. And a, yeah, and a, and a lot of people thought that they could see it, but but upon closer inspection, you know, there, she's definitely still wearing pasties or mm-hmm. something like that. But a lot of people thought like, whoa, I see a boob on Seinfeld now. What's going on? <laughs> uh, and certainly you I, I, you weren't meant to see that, but it's just something this, since it started airing that now we do see when she turns around, you know, her, her chest is much more visible than it was when it aired the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, up in the baby's room, Jerry and Elaine take a look inside the bassinet and recoil in shock and disgust. <laughs> <laughs> and over, uh, we cut to Kramer, who has gone down to the beach, and he is... So there we go. Kramer is not allowed up to see the baby. Maybe not allowed. M- maybe not not allowed, but at least he's like, you know what? I'm not making the same mistake again. You guys go see the baby. I'll go uh, explore the beach area. <laughs> so just so no, nothing uh, bad happens again. And he climbs up a lifeguard stand and all of a sudden he's surrounded by a bunch of ladies and then a cop comes by and tells him to get down from the lifeguard stand, which I think is one of the dumbest rules at the beach. If no one's on that lifeguard stand, you should be able to get up on oh, it. Yeah. I hate that it, rule. It, it should just be a free chair for you to sit in. Yeah, it should be. You should be able to climb all over it and do whatever you want on it and you're not going to get hurt or just put up a sign that says if you get hurt jumping off this chair, it's your you're own, an idiot. It's your own fault. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, already like there's an ocean there that I could drown in, you know, <laughs> so whose fault is that? Yeah. You know, this is, somebody owns this. Like, I, I just hate that when there's a perfectly good empty chairs, no matter where you are, Lake Erie or the Hamptons or wherever, you're not allowed to get on it. Uh, yes, those two beaches. That's it. Yes, those are the only two in the world. Yep. But no, I just mentioned that because I know we're both familiar <laughs> I, I with know. Prince Kyle. I, I know what you mean. <laughs> and and they have those, and you're not allowed on them for some stupid reason. <laughs> uh, and he's messing around with a metal detector that he has somehow, and he finds a rope. And then we cut back to 
Jerry and Elaine on the deck of the house at the Hamptons talking about what an ugly baby they just saw. Yeah, Elaine uh, says Elaine says yeah. that he's like a Pekingese. Looks like a Pekingese. Uh, Jerry, I think, says there's too much chlorine in the gene pool. And they were like, well, we have to say the baby is cute and beautiful. This is a must-lie situation. Also, Jerry notes that we must lie and t- not tell George it's a lie of omission. We can't tell George that we saw Jane Topless. Yes, and Jerry also right here says that remind me to tell Kramer what the plan is. And <laughs> right with that, I immediately knew what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, but it still happens in such a great, you know, the delivery is still great later uh-huh. on. It happens in such a great way. Um, over back at the beach, Kramer continues pulling up on this rope and pulls up a lobster trap that's full of lobster. Yeah. How about that? Cut back to the baby's room. Uh, pediatrician is there, Dr. Ben Pfeffer. And Elaine, when she finds out there's a doctor there, well, she starts getting all flirty. And, you know, the doctor says that she should have babies because she's very breathtaking. And Elaine's like, whoa, breathtaking. And then (laughs) in the next, almost in the next breath, Dr. Pfeffer calls the baby breathtaking. Yeah. Because Carol's like, oh, isn't this this a beautiful baby? He's like, yes, quite breathtaking. And so now she's like, Elaine's puzzled. Like, did he mean... What did he mean when he called me breathtaking? Because mm-hmm. he used to describe this ugly baby as breathtaking, too. Well, he, he definitely did uh, call Elaine breathtaking in the most matter-of-fact way. It, it, he, yeah. There was no inflection behind it. He was like, yeah, you're breathtaking. Like, yeah. Oh, well, obviously. <laughs> well, that I would almost take that as, like, just being cool. You know, like, well, you should. You're breathtaking, you know. And then when he goes, ah, yes, the baby is quite breathtaking. Like, putting that much emphasis on it makes mm. me think that that's the lie. You know, yeah. he said it so easily before that that's like just him being smooth. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, you should. You're breathtaking. Anyway, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I just said something cool about you. And now I'm going to act even cooler so that, you know, you think you keep thinking about what I said. But then he blew it by saying by using it in the other way. <laughs> um, Rachel and Jane, uh, Jerry are on the deck and George comes back and. Rachel sort of like gives George almost a cold shoulder. She's like, hi, you know, or whatever. I don't even think and, she says hi. Uh, George yeah. says hi to her, and she's like, I'm going to go change, and just blows yeah. right by him. Yeah, I like that Jerry, George is like, what kind of greeting was that? And Jerry goes, she's got greeting problems. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have been even, maybe even funnier if he was like, she's got a greeting disorder. Oh, my God. <laughs> maybe in, maybe that's too, like, post-2000, you know, I'd, like maybe I'd, that... I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think that would have been maybe a little funnier, at least today. Uh, Kramer comes back, and he's got tons of lobsters, and George is ecstatic. He's like, what a weekend. We're going we're gonna to be swimming. We've got lobster. And Kramer's like, I know, and I saw Jane Topless. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking that his friend is going to like file it under the same category as swimming and lobsters. I'm like, yeah, naked ladies, too, including your girlfriend. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, and, and like George is just dumbfounded uh-huh. and then Kramer's like oh yeah we all saw her and then <laughs> that's when Jerry is blown in too oh my god the the weirdest part about this though is that like oh, how many episodes in a row have we like gotten examples of super pervy Kramer but like <laughs> Kramer just thinks nothing of this Oh yeah, yeah. He he's like he thinks George is going to be excited for him. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously he's excited, but it's not like he's like, and I saw Jane Dublin. You know, <laughs> he, he's not doing anything like that. No, it's matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I know it's it's a great weekend. Well, let's name three things we like about it: swimming, <laughs> lobster, and I saw Jane Topless. You know? <laughs> <It's> like, 
and, and, and George and like he's not picking up. He's not reading the room either because George is so, so shocked and upset. He's like, you looked. And Kramer's like, of course I looked. She's got a great body. <laughs> Again, he thinks George is going to be like excited for this. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was, I, it's absolutely hilarious. And, you know, the, and now George knows that Jerry looked, too. Mm-hmm. And George is like, all right, well, how good of a look did you get? And Jerry's like, I don't know. How do you even quantify that? And George is like, okay, if there was a police sketch artist and yeah. you had to describe her, and Jerry's like, they pick her up in about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this was a great line. This was perfect. Oh, yeah. The whole thing, the whole the whole uh, segment here was just awesome. Mm-hmm. And so George, like, wants some sort of recompense. You know, he wants some, some we want him to be even because now Jerry has seen George's girlfriend naked. Not only that, but before George has seen her naked. Yeah. That's maybe the worst <laughs> part of it. You know, I, it would still be a big deal to George, I'm sure. But if he had already seen her naked, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so Jerry's like, Jerry says it jokingly. What do you want? You want to see Rachel naked? And George is like, yes, that would be that. Then we'd be even Stevens, you know, then we'd be totally even. Um, and George is like, you know, I'm like Neil Armstrong. We land on the moon and all of a sudden you jump out first or something like that. Yeah, which um, I, I think George, like, I think the reference is backwards in this. Neil Armstrong actually was the first man to step on the moon. I, I think. Yeah, I think he should be saying it's like I'm Buzz Aldrin. I turn around to get a sip of Tang. Meanwhile, you step out on the moon. Yeah, that probably would have been would have made a little bit more sense in his metaphor. I, I I don't I don't get what he means by saying it's like I'm Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong was still the first guy on the moon. Yeah, but it, that's right. But what if he hadn't been? What if someone had jumped out before him? That's what happened in this case. Like George was all excited about being the first one about seeing her naked before anybody else and now somebody else has okay i i still i i do think buzz aldrin would make much more sense yeah but just imagine if you were neil armstrong and someone jumped out of the moon and uh, jumped onto the moon in okay. front of you you know you'd be like that's <laughs> not the way it was supposed to happen i'm supposed to jump out first <laughs> so george was supposed to see her first but someone jumped got it jumped got it okay the moon. yeah over in jerry and rachel's bedroom elaine is in there talking about being called breathtaking and she wants to find out you know, she's going to try to find out what he meant by that when he called her breathtaking and the ugly baby breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel starts changing and George, like Elaine catches George in the hallway and goes, oh, don't go in there. Rachel's changing. And George goes, oh, OK. And then turns around immediately and barges <laughs> in uh, too early, too early, though, to see Rachel naked because mm-hmm. she, uh, you know, has just like unbuttoned her pants or something like that. And so yeah. um, Jerry knows immediately what george is doing and he's like oh why why did you come in here like that and george <laughs> says he wanted some gum wanted to see some if uh if there was any gum he, he, yeah and i think jerry says like you came all the way upstairs out <laughs> of the pool into our bedroom to get some gum <laughs> yeah and he mentions that it's because he's cold and the chewing you know helps him warm up moving his jaw like that and he like kind of pantomimes it like I, 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 as he's walking out <laughs> Because he doesn't have the gum. He's like, well, I'll do it anyway. I got got just to warm up. (laughs) He even does that as he's talking to them. Yeah, yeah. And Rachel all of a sudden decides she doesn't want to change her clothes. She wants to see the baby. And so George takes off. Rachel goes in the wrong door as George is changing and stares at his crotch for a good 10 seconds. (laughs) I mean, she like uh, she comes in and goes, oh, my gosh, uh, I am so sorry. And George just stands there not covering anything up. And she starts, like, she lets out a little chuckle. Like, uh-huh. I'm, 
I'm really sorry. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. She, yeah, I, I wrote it down. She apologizes, chuckles, apologizes again. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and, and all of this time, George didn't grab a towel. He nope. didn't even just use his hands. Nope. He didn't pull his suit back up. Nope. Uh, just very odd. Very <laughs> odd. Uh, and then, but then George yells, I was in the pool. I was in the pool. A very famous uh, Seinfeld line. <laughs> and, and it ended up that Jerry had told Rachel the wrong door. And he was like, oh, yeah, third door down or whatever. And that turned out to be uh, George's door. And George is like, you know, normally it wouldn't be a problem, but I, you know, I had just been in the pool. And, you know, they discern that there had been some shrinkage because of that. <laughs> and George feels like he got shortchanged, you know, by that. And so he's like, you have to tell. George is worried that Rachel's going to tell Jane what she saw. And George doesn't. Or, I mean, Jerry doesn't think so, but George is like, Jerry's like women aren't like us and George goes they're worse which I think George was like so far ahead of his time like Jerry once again is stuck in the 1950s going oh women don't talk about sex but George is living in the 90s and is like you know like sex in the city is uh, just a, maybe it's even airing at this point I know it was oh, like, wow. you know, it's probably on even earlier than you think like that you know the that sort of like liberation of women like oh yeah we talk about sex all the time like mm-hmm. that was that was happening in pop culture. I, so I think George was like, George is obviously right in this situation. And, you know, they want to know if shrinkage is common knowledge, uh, especially with females. And as Elaine walks by, they pull her in and ask her, you know, hey, Elaine, do you know about shrinkage? And Elaine goes, oh, you mean like laundry? <laughs> and then they say, no, you know, like when a man goes swimming in the pool and Elaine's like, Ugh, I don't know how you guys walk around with those things. <laughs> well, they, they, she even says like, they shrink? She had no yeah. idea. She had no idea shrinkage was a thing. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think this con- I think this episode of Seinfeld introduced that concept to probably a lot of women. <laughs> I, you know, I, don't, I think it was like, I don't think it was ca- talked about very much. And now <laughs> everybody knows what shrinkage is. Well, what was uh, what was Jerry's way of describing like what it looks like? He's like, it, it shrinks like a frightened turtle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Elaine doesn't know. And, you know, Jerry is like, oh, great. And George like slinks down because you know Jerry knows that George was right about this whole thing. Yeah. That a women don't know about it, and b Jane is probably going to tell. I mean, Rachel's going to tell Jane probably uh, over a lobster dinner supplied by our man Kramer. Rachel doesn't eat shellfish. She's not having a lobster because she's kosher. She's hmm. uh, as we've mentioned before, very you know follows the Jewish faith in that way. And the baby starts crying, and Carol's like, "Oh, I'll go get her." And I think it's Jerry and Elaine who are both like, "No," because they cannot bear to look at that ugly baby while they are eating, which is hilarious. Uh, George is wearing a like a tourist shirt from Florida. Like, "Oh, my parents went to Florida, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt." And George like makes a remark, like, "Oh my gosh, would you look at this? My shirt it shrunk." <laughs> And he starts like kind of explaining to Rachel that how water shrinks things. Like, I put it in the water and it shrank. How about that? But like at, at that moment, Rachel and Jane like start giggling to each other. And well, yeah, Rachel whispers something to Jane. Yeah, and laughs. yeah. And uh, George starts to go off, but like he he, he reels <laughs> back a little bit when Jerry's like, uh, "What does he say?" He's like, "Easy, big fella." Easy, big fella. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. George starts getting better. Are you talking about me? And Jerry, yeah, sort of calms him down. And Kramer explains to Michael where he got all these lobsters and that he pulled this rope. And all of a sudden, at the end, there was this trap full of lobsters. And Michael gets angry immediately because that was a commercial lobster trap. And his dad 
my dad was a lobsterman, he says, <laughs> which I, I thought was hilarious. I, I'll have you know that my father was a lobster. Yeah, he came home stinking of fish every day so that I could go to law school or whatever it is. <laughs> and so he's like really upset at the fact that, you know, Kramer has poached these lobsters. And then Carol comes in with the baby. Kramer gets his first look at it and he flips out in the craziest way. <laughs> he just like, like, very, like on the ground. Yeah, he full on like shrieks. Yeah. Because uh, we know Kramer, you know, has no um, social, doesn't follow social cues or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, he, just, yeah. he just reacts. <laughs> he is pure concentrated reaction. <laughs> uh, out on the deck, Ben Pfeffer is there. And so Elaine's like going to start fishing to try to figure out what he meant by breathtaking. And Elaine goes, some night, huh? And then Ben says something like, oh, yes, I was looking at the stars and like, oh, some house, huh? Like, oh, yeah, it was designed by blah, blah, blah. And then Elaine goes, some ugly baby, huh? <laughs> and Ben goes, what did you say? Oh, um, I said snuggly baby. Well, Some he, snuggly baby. He's, huh? He says it almost in a confrontational way. He's like, what did you say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think she, is this where she like kind of like straight brings up like, I'm surprised that you called a baby breath, the baby breathtaking because, you know, you had also called me breathtaking. Yeah. And, and then, then all Ben says is, well, sometimes you say things just to be nice. Well, he, he yeah, he says it. Almost like he's going to say something else. He's like, sometimes you say something like that just to be nice. And then other times you say something like whenever you see a beautiful woman. But he he says it with the inflection. Sometimes you say a thing like that just to be nice and nothing else. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So mystery not solved by Elaine. (laughs) Uh, Up in Jerry's room. It turns out Rachel, of course, told Jane about what she saw with George. And over in George's room, Jane is packing up and leaving. And George is certain you know he like he knows why she's leaving even though she won't tell him and he's like is it because there's a certain something that isn't all that it could be i assure you that it's all that it should be and more or something like that you've heard that there's some a certain something isn't all that it could be but i'm telling you it's all that it should be and more i think it's something like that Uh, but yeah george is screaming like in her face like super aggressive I'm surprised George didn't pull a Phil Totola in this moment and just whip it out. Oh, my God. Oh, as like a last-ditch no. effort, you know? <laughs> like, for instance, when he, um, when the, the reporter thinks that they're gay and George is like, I'll have sex. He's like, you want to have sex? I'll have sex right now. Let's go, baby, or something like that. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Like just a last-ditch effort to try to get her to, to stay. Or at least, if not get her to stay, at least let her know that the information she got was wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the kitchen, Rachel is sneaking into the kitchen. Meanwhile, Kramer is sitting in the dark, eating leftover lobster <laughs> and smoking a cigar. Uh, or he at least <laughs> lights up a cigar while they're talking. And Rachel was sneaking in to try the lobster. But Kramer uh, won't let her try it, you know, because y- you'll you'll hate yourself in the morning for it. You know? yeah. but everyone was just raving about it that Rachel wanted to see what it was all about. And she thought she could do it in, in secret. But Kramer, you know, won't let her uh, betray her faith like that. Uh, up in Jerry's room, Rachel's like, oh, here's a car start. I love this lane, too. Like, uh, this line. What's that What's that noise? Uh, oh, it's just Jane driving back to New York in the middle of the night. <laughs> I, as, I don't even think he looks up from his paper. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, implying, rightly so, that it's all Rachel's fault. Oh, nothing. Just Jane driving back to New York in the middle of the night. And, by the way, we know, like I said earlier, it's a two-hour trip. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, after dinner... <laughs> Driving back to New York, which is just the dumbest thing. At breakfast the next day, George is cooking eggs for everybody. Uh, Ben, the doctor calls them breathtaking. (laughs) Once again, uses the word breathtaking. (laughs) 
uh, Rachel thanks Kramer for you know the previous night and uh, you know kind of explains to everybody that well, I was going to try lobster, but uh, you know he stopped me. Mm-hmm. And George is like, oh well, uh, you know, and Rachel starts eating the eggs, and then George is like, oh well, if uh, you're going to keep eating these eggs, you might want to have one of these. And he holds up a lobster bib, and George had put lobster in the eggs, and he says something about them shrinking in the water. I forget what he said. I, I think it was uh, something about like. How you can't even tell that there was lobster in the eggs? Oh yeah, yeah, because they shrink in water or mm-hmm. something like that. So to you know to get back at her and Rachel, you know, runs out crying. And I love this line from Jerry because I feel like we've already seen it a couple times. Like the thing that Jerry hates maybe most about relationships is having to be mad when he's not, but his girlfriend is. You know, or like even just consoling people he hates, which mm-hmm. is like you know psychopathic in a way. Oh yeah, but you know, oh, she sure. gets up and she gets up and runs out, and he goes. <sighs> guess I gotta go too. <laughs> like, ah, oh, this is the part of the job I hate. Uh, in the meantime, some uh, a policeman shows up and says that they're on the lookout for a lobster poacher for one tiny little lobster trap. Oh I can't believe God. they mobilized the Hamptons police force, whatever it was, yeah. just for <laughs> one tiny little <laughs> lobster trap that didn't even look commercial. No. Also, I was going to ask, like, have you ever watched Deadliest Catch? I'm familiar with it. The, that was definitely not a commercial lobster pot. These things, the commercial lobster pots are like eight foot by eight foot. Yeah, and they're like out in the middle of the ocean, right? Yes. Like, yeah, no, like this was... No I mean, commercial fisherman is fishing on the shore with a pot that small. If a commercial fisherman caught eight lobsters, he'd be bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not even convinced that Kramer did steal them from everybody that looked like a discarded lobster pot at the end of a rope that had been cut you know like it really looked like an abandoned lobster pot uh (laughs) but michael you know fingers kramer immediately that's the guy hold on hold on yeah (laughs) did you catch what you just said yeah he fingers kramer Oh no! I mean, like, I don't. I don't mean he penetrates his anus with a digit. I mean, have you never heard that expression before? <laughs> I don't believe so. Oh yeah, when someone is accused of something, like, oh yeah, he fingered me for that crime. Oh, you never no. heard that before? Nope. Oh well, you know, I mean, it, oh well, look it up. It's not my fault. It sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think I meant? I I don't. I, I mean, I was just uh, waiting for you to say yeah, and uh, and Michael blames Kramer for taking the pot. I, I was waiting for something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's synonymous with accuse. Yeah, okay. Like he was he was fingered for that crime. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay. Are we gonna have another retard situation on our hands? I mean, no. <laughs> I. I- that was one thing that you said. I was like, God damn it. I wish I'd been there. Uh, because like one, th- one thing you said on Idiotville was like Kramer using the R word. And I was like, he didn't use the R word. <laughs> it like was screaming at my radio in the, in the, in, at 5 a.m. When I heard you say that, I was like, oh my gosh. That makes it sound like Kramer was walking around calling people the R word. When in fact he was like, oh yeah, cold water retards the aging process. It's not even the emphasis on the right syllable if you're using it as a slur. But I digress. Uh, I guess we've got another one of those situations on our hands. I mean, not necessarily. Uh, oh, God. Oh, yeah. Well, because no, it wasn't said by someone in the show. It was said by me. <laughs> I'm going to look it up right now. I bet, it's even, I bet it's even the first for, like, finger as a verb. I bet it's even ahead of anything the, the, sexual. The, the verb to finger. Yeah. Let me see. 
to touch or handle something. Where's the verb? To touch or feel with the fingers. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, to play, uh, as in a musical instrument with the fingers. To point out. Okay. To identify. There we okay. go. That's number three. Uh, to extend into or penetrate in the shape of a finger. That's number four. <laughs> okay. So it's it's definition three versus definition four. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I will I will give you this one. I will give you this one. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I, I, Tim, I will give you the finger. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> and somewhere in the middle here, George gets up to go apologize. Oh, I better go apologize to Rachel. Uh, George enters Jerry and Rachel's room too early, and there's a shriek. So when Jerry went up to apologize, did he just, or when Jerry went up to console her, did they just start getting busy right then? I don't know. Or, or was Jerry just in the room and Rachel was still uh, naked? Yeah. Why was she naked, though? She had just realized she ate lobster, ran off in a huff. And went upstairs to get naked. I I I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe they maybe they did start. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe Jerry just took this occasion to like, oh, I know you're upset, and I know you abstained from lobster for your faith for for so long, and now you know God might be angry at you. But is there any way I can parlay this emotion into some action? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Since I am a psychopath, as you know, I have no problem doing that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so George has now successfully seen Rachel naked. Uh, cut to uh, the car home, and Rachel, it turns out, is driving back with Michael and Carol, and George is in the car with Elaine and Jerry. And, you know, Jerry really lays it out, saying, like, well, if, you know, it, would you want to ride back with her since, you know, you just saw her naked or something like that? Meanwhile, Kramer has a $1,000 fine for stealing eight lobsters from a discarded lobster pot. Good Lord. And he's working it off, picking up trash on the side of the, the I, highway, the I, Long Island Expressway or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing he's like stuck in the Hamptons, right? Doing, doing like trash it, pickup? Yeah. Okay. Because it, it says like something like Suffolk County Corrections yeah. or something like that. And so he's picking up trash on the side of the road. And then George sees a market that he wants to stop at to pick up some more Hamptons tomatoes. I guess the I guess maybe he wanted Hamptons tomatoes to like show off to everybody who'd never had any what a great tomato they are because he does that earlier in the thing and I so yes yeah and so he's going to stop at the farmer's market and and get some for his mom and that is when they see rachel and they she throws a tomato at uh, his face and that's pretty much the end of the episode by the way i did look up because i saw the uh a maganset a maganset farmer's market there's actually uh, you know who loves it goop there's actually a good article on Goop about it. Really? Yeah. Oh, you okay. got to figure, like, Gwyneth Paltrow is so Hamptons. You know what I mean? Always wearing white, skinny, blonde, doesn't age. You know, just seems like such a Hamptons person. So, oh, for uh, sure. It is at 367 Main Street, and it closed at some point. There are a lot of complaints also online about how the people who own it were, like, rude, and it's super expensive, and it seems like one of these places, as long as we're talking about vacation spots, where, like, for instance, if you go down to the Outer Banks, you'll see a Food Lion, which is, like, the main, like, a major supermarket chain down there in North Carolina and Virginia, so you'll see a Food Lion or a Walmart, but most of the houses, like, for instance, where we stay, they're a good hour away from those, and so what you're going to find are little markets that carry just the bare essentials, Mm -hmm. milk, eggs, one type of cereal, pancake syrup, you know, maybe some chicken <laughs> breasts or something, but very, and it sounds like that's what this was. Like if you, if you're going to the Hamptons, I'm sure there's a Walmart somewhere that you're going to pass, mm-hmm. but once you get way out there, it's going to be little markets like this. And so, you know, farmer's market was kind of a misnomer. It seemed like for a while, cause it seemed like one of these, you know, corner, corner stores, bodega or something like that, for lack of a better term. 
And people were like, they're rude. The old owners, like, are you, if they're not yelling at a customer, they're yelling at an employee in front of you. And <laughs> and it was super expensive, too. Well, then the uh, Maganset Food Institute, which was a nonprofit, took it over. And it, it reopened in 2015. And in the last few years, like, I want to say 2018 even, Amber Waves Farms and Kitchen took it over, which is like an actual farm. Oh. And they turned it into an actual farmer's market and then kind of like a farm-to-table <laughs> restaurant, too, I guess. So oh, wow. It's still cool. there. That's awesome. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. It's it's still there, and, and Goop loves it. So, And we get one more stand-up bit as well, and this is about, oh, yeah, all the work that it takes to get to the ocean, and the ocean keeps throwing us out. So I did I did remember this bit from his like original mm-hmm. stand-up act, and, and I really liked it. And he talks about how it's like, uh, a bouncer you know you walk in and the, the bouncer keeps throwing you out uh, and then the undertow is like the mean bouncer who takes you <laughs> further in and roughs you up rather than the other bouncer who you know keeps kicking you out so uh, not bad but uh, just okay and yeah. that's the end of the episode all right uh, did we have any homework that we wanted to touch on yeah we'll uh, we'll look up we'll do a deep dive on Boutros Boutros golly okay <laughs> and we there was one more thing oh kishka we'll f- try to find out what kishka is okay and i think that's it all right uh did we want to come up with a better description i'm sure we can so we had uh jerry's girlfriend sees george naked during a weekend at the beach uh it it's not great but it and granted it doesn't give away everything in the entire episode the uh, the event that it gives away is right before the commercial break, uh, at least on Hulu, which is halfway through the episode. But why isn't it Jerry sees George's girlfriend naked during a weekend at the Hamptons? Because that's what happens first, and that's that's what leads to, you know, I guess, that's sort of like the, the domino that falls, that leads to everything else. George wanted to see her naked. They take the U-turn with it, and he, she sees him naked first. He does end up seeing her naked, you know, mm-hmm. Um I feel like that might have something more to do with it, but everybody sees everybody naked during a weekend at the Hamptons. Uh, honestly, like I'd love I, to be more vague about it. I, I know we've uh, we've mentioned this before, but it it kind of works here. Honestly, would be Jerry sees George's girlfriend naked. Semicolon hijinks ensue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like maybe George wants George wants to get even when Jerry sees. George's girlfriend naked or something I, like I that. I like that a lot, actually. George George wants to get even when Jerry sees his girlfriend naked. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. That that might that might be better. I, th- I think we did it. All right. Uh, during a weekend, do we have to say during a weekend in the Hamptons? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we have to. I don't, I don't no, think it's no, necessary. Think right. uh, no, that, that's fine. Next week, we've got season five, episode 22, The Opposite, the season five finale from, Mar- from May 19th, 1994. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see George learn success lies in doing the opposite of what he would normally do. Guests Dee Dee Pfeiffer, Regis Philbin, Kathy oh. Lee Gifford, and oh French Stewart. Wow, French Stewart. Do you remember what French Stewart is from? Mm, no. I I'll, have no uh, idea. I wonder if I should spoil it right off the bat or just I'll just let you discover it. I won't I won't okay. mention. And we'll see if you even watch the show that French Stewart ended up becoming famous for. Wait, um Was he on the he wasn't on the Daily Show, was he? No, no, that was John Stewart. Well yes. <laughs> okay. I, I, I know that was John Stewart, but I didn't know if he was like a correspondent or something. Not that I not that I know of. No, he had a sitcom, and then he's also from a movie okay. you might recognize. Is it going to be a Disney Channel movie? 
It is not a Disney Channel <laughs> movie, but it already came up. It is a movie that uh, Michael Haggerty is in, I think, mm, that we okay. mentioned before last week uh, or the week before, maybe whenever it was. Um, yeah, and he was in that, and I, I don't want to. And he took over for a char- for an actor that would not come back for a sequel. I'm maybe giving too much away. I might have said too much. Okay, I'll f- I'll figure it out. <laughs> okay, yeah, you might you might know who he is now at this point, but uh, it's interesting because uh, I don't think I don't know if he was a star at this point, but maybe he's like someone else who's appearing on Regis and Kathy Lee or something like that. But this is oh, a great okay. this is a great episode, and I also got to mention speaking of great episodes, I starred this episode, The Hamptons. Yeah, for our, I. For, uh, it was I was it was laugh out loud all the way through. I I, I think you'd be I, I think you'd be completely in the wrong to not think this is one of the best episodes of season five, possibly one of the best episodes of the series. Uh, Whoa! I, I I definitely like this uh, more than like probably anything we've done at least in season four or season five. Yeah, it was it was top notch, and it's like a classic farce. I mean. It's about relationships. There's there's nakedness. There's a little bit of sexuality. There's doors opening and closing. I mean, it's like, I mean, it is a vaudeville production for mm-hmm. crying out loud. For the most part, like it's it's uh, you know it's like it's like noises off. If yeah. you've ever seen that movie or that play, like it's it's just a farce and, through and through, and it's and, great. And honestly, I would like to give just like a very like honorable mention to the camera work in the scene where it starts with Jerry and George on the porch Kramer comes up with the lobsters that scene moves into the kitchen Kramer walks away and then they move back out to the porch in one scene I I thought I thought that was incredible yeah totally yeah it was it was awesome I mean how must it make Larry Charles feel when he writes the fire, and then he's like, "All right, that's the last episode I'm ever going to write." And then we get this episode right after, <laughs> the, written by who knows, like the knows next who. episode. I, I did, I did notice that Larry Charles was still executive producer. Oh, okay. On on this episode, he he may not have written it, but he was still an EP. Whenever I see producer, executive producer, and maybe this is even, tr- I just think like. You know, like for instance, uh, oh, you know, Justin Timberlake's going to be in it, and he's an executive producer. I'm like, oh. He just wasn't getting enough money for the acting thing, so they're throwing him this to like give him more money or whatever. You know, it's like yeah, I I, I really think it's like just when you see executive producer, that person doesn't do anything except just get paid more. Yeah, either that know? or they are giving the production money. You know. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, and uh, yeah, I I really don't know what it really means because especially when people are working on the show like larry charles was he like paying to make seinfeld at this point you know i, I have no idea I've, <laughs> i have no idea what producer or executive producer means but I, I think it just means they get a little extra money for doing nothing it's a no show <laughs> job or whatever uh, okay so is that it that's it all right so for no hugging no learning i'm tim murphy i'm ted hollowell be good be good